Welcome back to Pops Podcast. We're so happy to have you here listening with us. This week, Aji continues in James 5, and it's another challenging message. As always, we hope the Lord stirs something in your heart from today's message. The theme and context of James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, warns of the punishment and judgment for the rich who oppress the poor. And you could see from the first statement in James chapter 5 that God was speaking to a particular group of people in the church. So let's look at James 5, 1 to 6. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eating. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your heart as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned. You have murdered the just. It does not resist you. So that is a very, very scathing remarks. And it's talking to people in the church. I mean, it's not going to Las Vegas and speaking to people in the world or people gambling. It's not going to the prison and speaking to prisoners. These were people like you and I in the church. In fact, when you read the book of James, the one time you will find recurringly in the book of James is brethren. Brethren. And, that's, and brethren back then and today means brothers. They were brothers in Christ. So the, God's message is clear and twofold in James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. The first message is rich, is this. The rich who trust in the accumulation and pursuit of wealth and riches at the expense of faith in God will be punished and judged. I will read that again. The rich who trust in the accumulation and pursuit of wealth and riches at the expense of faith in God will be punished and judged. The second message, the rich who become rich at the expense of the labor of the poor will be condemned. The rich who become rich at the expense of the labor of the poor will be condemned. Like I said, when I, when I began to read James 5 verses 1 through 6, you will have thought James was addressing some organized crime groups. When you read that every verse, you will think he was speaking to the Cosa Nostras, the Gambinos, or the Goddess. But the most concerning is that this warning are directed at rich men and women in the church. How many people believe that if there were those bad rich men and women in the church back in those days, they are still in the church today. And God is still speaking to them. And we are ambassadors of Christ. He's going to speak to them through you and I. Alright? So the Lord is giving you this truth tonight. And if you find someone in the church that the Holy Spirit tells you to talk to, don't be intimidated by their riches or by their opulence, or by how much you're giving to the church. Speak to them, because you are the mouth of Christ. God is still speaking to the rich in the church today. 
But however, I want to draw your attention to four distinguishing characteristics of the rich man referenced in James chapter 5. And those characteristics are captured in verses 3 to 6. These defining attributes are still immoral today, but sadly they are now even embraced in society today, as you will find out. So you could see why God was speaking to this man. Four things the Lord hate about those rich men in the church. Let's look at the first one, James 5.3. James 5.3 said, you have heaped up treasure in the last days. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. Treasures in the last days. What does that word heaped up mean? That word heaped up in Greek is tesaruzo. Tesaruzo. And it means to amass or reserve, to lay up, to treasure up, to hoard up, hoard it up. In fact, when you read that translation of James chapter 5, verse 3, in the Weymouth translation, in the Weymouth translation, it says, You have hoarded up wealth in these last days. Well, you might say, you know, why is it wrong to hoard up wealth in some offshore account and Swiss accounts and have them in, you know, the London Bank and Mellon Bank and just hoard them up, some of them in gold, silver, currency, cash, diamonds, that by the time the accountants calculate the financial value of those assets, it has already changed. Why does God have a problem with the rich that are hoarding up wealth? Number one, I went into the Merriam-Webster and I look at the definition of the term hoarded up. What does it mean, hoarded up? And this is what Merriam-Webster told us. The practice of collecting or accumulating something marked by an overwhelming desire to collect to such a point that the collection causes stress and start impacting a person's health, career, and relationships. It begins to impact relationships. And guess the first relationship impacts relationship with God, vertical. Their relationship with the wife, with the children, with the community. So the first distinguishing characteristics of the rich man that God was referring to, speaking to through brother James, is instead of these rich people helping the poor and honoring God with their riches, they are kept all to themselves. Instead of them helping the poor, honoring God with their riches, paying their tithes, giving offering, helping the poor, they have kept all to themselves. God said, I have a problem with that. Look at what the richest guy said. The richest guy that ever lived. Who knows who that was? You know who he is. He's in the Bible. Solomon. Look at the advice. How many people would take advice on the richest guy that ever lived? God said nobody was richer than Solomon and nobody will ever be richer than Solomon in the history of the world. That's how rich. They said Solomon was so rich, gold was like rocks and stones. That's how common it was during his, during his reign. Gold was common as rocks. You could pick them up. That's how wealthy this guy was. Look at the advice he gave us in Ecclesiastes 5.13. He said, there is another serious problem I have seen under the sun. 
Hoarding riches harms the saver. Let's say that together. Hoarding riches harms the saver. So if you are the rich here tonight and you've hoarded up riches, you are what the world calls wealthy, stinking rich, God says it will harm you sooner or later. So that's the first characteristic. Why God singled out the rich people in this church. And I know all of us here, we are rich to a certain extent when we compare our standard of living with those in the world. But these particular rich people we are talking about here, they are at another level. So let's look at the second characteristics. The second characteristic of the rich men and women that Brother James was referring to in James chapter 5. And it's in James 5, 4. And look at what it reads. It said, Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the hairs of the Lord of Sabbath. Hmm. Let's look at how Weymouth put it. Weymouth said, I tell you that the pay of the laborers who have gathered in your crops, pay which you are keeping back is calling out against you. And the outcries of those who have been your reapers have entered into the ears of the Lord of the armies of heaven. So the second characteristic that this rich man had, that God had issue, concern, and problem with, is that these rich men were fraudulent. They were amassing, they were not only hoarding up their riches, they were also fraudulent. They unjustly kept back the wages of the poor. And God said, the call and cries of the wages of the laborers and reapers have reached my hairs. God is saying, I am the Lord of justice. That's what he's saying. That's what the Lord of Sabbath means. I am the Lord of justice. I am the Lord that's going to pay back. He's saying the rich is not going to get away with it. They will pay back. Look at what Leviticus 19 said. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 13. In the modern English version. He said, you shall not defraud your neighbor or rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not stay with you all night until the morning. God is all about fair work, fair pay. If someone does something for you, pay them. Give them a tip. Bless them. And when you bless the poor, God blesses you. But rather than doing that, these rich people, they were very fraudulent. They held back the pay. They pay half of what they were supposed to pay. So what is God really telling us today? How, is, how should this scripture challenge us? And this is the question the Lord posed to me. And I'm going to ask you the same thing. Are you yourselves, and I want you to think about this, because this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. Are you yourself in a position of authority today? And could you be oppressing your employees or your workers and not know about it? Do you have people working for you in your office that are underpaid? And you feel like, well, you know what, we're going to make up, we got to 
we got to make a profit. We got to pay all our expenses. So you know what? Don't pay those employees what they are worth. Cut them a dollar short. They don't like it, they could leave. Do you have people working for you today that are underpaid? Are your employees working longer hours without overtime pay? Could those that are working for you be burdened with more work for the same pay or pay cut? Are you providing adequate benefits, including paid time off for a balanced lifestyle between work, home, and family? Well, you might say, well, you know what? I don't have any employee, and I don't do any of those. But could you be overly critical? Are you like a time bomb that's ready to explode? When someone does something just slightly bad, you just let go. You just explode in anger. Are you overly critical? Are you domineering? Are you the type that will insult people when they offend you? Do you speak angrily, berate, insult your workers, employees, or subordinates? If you say yes to any of this, you're oppressing the poor. And God is speaking to you tonight. And God is saying it's time for change. Because if you do not change, the Lord of Sabbath is coming. And you don't want to deal with him. And I want you to draw your attention to that term, Lord of Sabbath. When you read the different translation, they translate the Lord of Sabbath in different ways. The New King James Version call it Lord of Sabbath. The Weymouth call it the Lord of the armies of heaven. The Message Bible calls him the Master Avenger. The King James Version calls him the Lord of Vengeance. James 5.4 interpretation says, All the workers you have exploited and cheated cry out for judgment. The groans of the workers you used and abused are a roar in the ears of the Master Avenger. Master, have you ever looked at God as a Master Avenger? Look at what Romans 12, 19 says. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. There are two things I want to bring to our attention here. Number one is, if you're oppressing the poor, repent. Repent. You don't want the Lord of these armies of heaven to visit you. And the number two is this. Maybe you are being oppressed. Maybe you are one of the oppressed. Maybe you've been working for five, ten years. No promotion. Every time you did something great, achieving accomplishment, your boss rationalizes it and says, well, after all, we know you brought in X amount of money. You brought in X number of clients to the company. But after all, we expected that of you. If they are demeaning, berating, not appreciating what belongs to you, you could cry to the Lord of Sabbath. I have done it before. You go to the Lord and say, Lord, those people are cheating me. Call them by name. Father, what they are doing is not right, it's not fair. And I'm making my petition to the Lord of Sabbath. Father, this is what happened. And you tell the Lord, Father, I thank you, you are the Lord of Sabbath. And I thank you that you pay me what is due me. 
the Lord of Sabbath still reigns today. And he's still taking care of his own. And he will pay you back. Nobody that oppresses the poor will ever get away with it. It's impossible. Look at what happened to the children of Israel in Exodus 5, 5 to 6. Exodus 5, 5 to 6. You can be sure, this is God speaking, you can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians. And I'm well aware of my covenant with them. Therefore say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful hand and great acts of judgment. That is the God you serve. He doesn't like anybody stealing and cheating from you and taking what belongs to you. And look at what happened for the Egyptians. Exodus 12, 36. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. In one night, the poor Israelites became multimillionaires because the Lord paid them back. All the wealth and riches of Egypt was stripped because the master avenger rose up. So the first characteristics of the rich men that James was talking about, they were hoarding up riches, amassing riches, and they thought nothing was wrong with it. Number two, they were fraudulent. Let's look at number three, the third distribution character. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your heart as in a day of slaughter. What does that mean? James was telling these people, these rich men and women, you are immoral and lewd. Immoral and lewd. You might say, Haji, where did you get that from? Pleasure and luxury. I, I, I love to travel and have pleasure and luxury. Well, I like to go to Hawaii. I like to go to nice places too. I've never been to Hawaii. I'd love to go. <laughs> you might say, what's wrong with pleasure and luxury? But let's look at the underlying meaning. Let's go to the Amplified Bible and let's see what it says. The Amplified Bible says, for James 5.5, 5, Here on earth you have abandoned yourself to soft, prodigal living and to the pleasures of self-indulgence and self-gratification. So we're not just talking about laying out in the sun and having a little drink and enjoying the blessings of God and the wave crashing on your feet and you are like, Lord, I, I praise the Lord. That's not what we're talking about here. We are talking about lewdness, soft prodigal. What comes to your mind when you think of the prodigal son? He lavish his inheritance on prostitutes. Have you ever heard this? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. These are Christian men. They go to Vegas and they do what the world does. They have three women in the bedroom and they are wrenching it up all night. And the food and the drink are flowing. And when they did enough of that, they will go downstairs and gamble another hundreds of thousands of dollars. And by that time it's 5 a.m. And they go back to the room. And they have a new set of women come in. Pleasure and luxury. Soft prodigal living. Pleasures of self-indulgence and self-gratification. Look at how the Message Bible describes James 5.5. 5. 
It says, you have looted up the earth and lived it up. But all you have to show for it is a fatter than usual carbs. So number one, the first distinguishing character of the rich men that James was talking about, they were hoarding, hoarding wealth. Hoarding wealth hurts the saver, harms the saver, says Solomon. Number two, they were fraudulent. Number three, they were lewd and immoral. Now let's look at number four. Number four is in James 5, 6. James 5, 6 says, you have condemned, you have murdered the just, it does not resist you. So the fourth distinguishing characteristic is, these men were murderers. Murderers. Let's look at the word condemn first. The word condemned in Greek is katadikazo. It means to pronounce guilty. They pronounce the poor guilty. They pin on them the charges that are not, they are not deserving of them. And the word murdered is phonio, phonio in Greek. And it means to kill, to murder, to slay. Amplify said, you have condemned and murdered the righteous, the innocent man, while he offers no resistance to you. The message said, in fact, what you've done is condemn and murder perfectly good persons who stand there and take it. But I want to show you the other side of murder. Because you might say, well, definitely I did not fall in this group. I've never murdered anybody. But when you look at Matthew 5, 21 to 22, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 22, he said, you are familiar with the commandment taught to those of old. Do not murder or you will be judged. But I'm telling you, if you hold anger in your heart toward the fellow believer, you are subject to judgment. So what's the implication? The implication is that you will be judged as a murderer. In God's eyes, anger and murder are equally hateful and detestable. Angry words kill. Angry words kill. I'll say that again. Angry words kill. If you are the type of a person that when you get ticked off, you chew people out. Maybe your son your wife, the neighbor, someone at work, you chew them out and you make them feel like, you make them feel like zero. You're oppressing the poor. And God is speaking to you tonight. Anger is equally as detestable as murder to God. But we don't see it that way. But that's God's perspective. So take a hold of your emotion. When something bad happens you don't like, don't curse people out. Don't chew them out. Don't give them the finger. Don't kick the cats and the dog. So in James chapter 5 verses 1, James begins to prophesy the end of this rich man. You could see what they have done. Amassing riches, obtaining their rich by fraudulent means, immoral and lewd, murderers. So by the time James started that verses James 5.1, he was just ready to let it rip. And this is what he says. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your mysteries that are coming. And I want you to look at that word weep. That word weep means sobbing aloud. He says sob aloud. A sign to show shame and remorse. Then he says howl. 
How means a step beyond weeping. It conveys the idea of shrieking, screaming out loud. He's telling this man, he said, weep, shriek, scream aloud for what you've done, for your miseries that shall come upon you. What do we mean by miseries? Miseries, miseries is hardship, hardship and distress. Hardship and distress. I know what I found out. If a person is out of fellowship with God, the more money he has, the greater his misery. When you have out of fellowship with God, the more money you have, the greater the misery. The money actually becomes a liability because the foundation of it is wrong, which is relationship with God. But if a person is in fellowship with God, the money, the money is only a detail of life. It's a tool. Not the purpose of life. And it's so interesting, right after James wrote these words, the Romans came to Jerusalem and they confiscated all the riches of the wealth there and they took it back to Rome. They lost all their riches shortly after James made this pronouncement. And the point we are trying to make tonight is this. God cares about the poor, and he expects us as children to also care about the poor. It cannot just for be for me, myself, and I. God cares about the poor, and he wants you to care about the poor. Look at what James wrote in James 1, 26 to 27. James 1, 26 to 27 says, Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is out here, and only out here. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God, the Father is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless, orphans and widows in their plight, and guard against corruption from the godless world. God cares about the poor, and he expects us to care about the poor. When God blesses you financially, he wants you to remember the poor. And I remember as I was making these notes, you see, the test will always come. The test will come. As I was making these notes, I got a note from a brother from a church I used to attend years ago. And the brother said, Brother Aji, things have gotten really bad for me and my wife, ba 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 I'm no longer working, I'm looking for a car, my wife is this, my wife is that, we have different challenges. How many people know that God was testing me? God is saying, how are you going to respond to the poor? And you know what? I didn't even blink. I went to my room and I pulled out my checkbook. I texted the brother. I said, brother, I'll pray for you and I'll send you a token of my love tomorrow. In the days to come, we are going to be challenged. God is going to bring surplus into your hands. How are you going to respond to the poor? Because every time God blesses you with the money, it's not just for you and your family. God is factoring in the poor in it. God is thinking about the poor around you. And you are the conduit of blessing to them. Don't say, well, you know what, we've got the vacation fund, we've got the mortgage, some in my 401k, pay off some credit card bill. I'm sorry, poor. I'm sorry, poor people. We don't have any for you. No, 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 no. 
Always set the budget to include the poor. Because when you pay the poor, God will pay you. You will never lack for being generous. Nobody has ever gone broke being generous. Look at what Proverbs 19.17 says. Kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord, and he will give a reward to the lender. How many people would like to lend money to the Lord? How many people know he will pay very handsomely with some very nice interest? So tonight, to, to wrap up tonight, we're going to look at the parable of the rich fool. And why are we using this parable? Because he was a wealthy, wealthy man that made the mistake of hoarding and not being generous toward God. Let's look at Luke 12, verses 15 to 21. Luke 12, 15 to 21. Then to the people, and by the law, by the way, this is the Lord Jesus Christ teaching this parable. Then to the people he said, be careful to guard against all forms of greed. The King James Version says, avoid covetousness. Be careful to guard against all forms of greed. Because even if someone is rich, his life does not consist in what he owns. Be careful to guard against all forms of greed. What does he mean by that? Avoid excessive, immoderate desire for wealth. Avoid immoderate, excessive desire for wealth, particularly wealth beyond your needs and wants. And he said, his life does not consist in what he owns. What does that mean? Wealth and riches will not prolong your life. That's what it means. Wealth and riches will not prolong your life. It will not add one single day to your life. You know what will add single day to your life? Loving God, serving him, being generous to those that are poor, downtrodden. But amassing wealth by itself will not prolong your life. Mark 8.36 says, For what use it is, what use is it to gain all the wealth and power of this world with everything it could offer you at the cost of your own life? So the Lord Jesus Christ began to teach this parable. He said, then to the people, he said, be careful and guard against all forms of greed. Because even if someone is rich, his life does not consist in what he owns. Verse 16, and he gave them this illustration. There was a man whose land was very productive. So this man was blessed. Maybe you are this person today. You are blessed. Your income keeps going, doing a vertical trajectory. You are doubling your income. Life is good. Your savings is growing every year. This man's land was very productive. He was abundantly blessed. Verse 17. He debated with himself, what should I do? I haven't enough room for all my crops. I want to draw your attention to the term he debated. He debated. You see, with riches comes debates. With riches comes worries. With riches comes fears and anxieties. Consuming time and focus that could have been spent in building relationship with God and in blessing others. As the rich mounted, as this guy go from $100,000 a year to a million, from a million to 10 million, the debates increased. The prayer time shortened. He started to knock up, ah, oh, you know what, I'm not going to go to church today. We were there a month ago. You know, we'll go another time. 
Ah, I'm not going to go to that fellowship. Ah, I need to meet with my financial planner. We need to know what we're going to do with this five, five million that just came in. It begins to rationalize its relationship away with God. And the wealth cons- will start to consume him more and more. That's all he thinks about. So this man, as his riches increased, the debate increased. Then he said, I haven't room. What does that mean? It implies he doesn't have room to hoard, room to collect, room to amass his wealth. So let's keep going, verse 18. Then he said, so he finally came to a conclusion. He said, oh, I am smart and intelligent. I don't even need God. I have my plan. And let's, let's, let's look at the plan. This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. I will store all my wheat and other goods there. Then I will say to myself, you are a lucky man. You have a big supply of goods laid up that will last many years. Start taking it easy. Eat, drink, enjoy yourself. Is that a good plan? Is that a good plan? I'm asking you. No. Why is it not a good plan? What is the one, one person that has been left out of that plan? God. Look at that. Four times. He said, I will. I will do. I will tear down. I will stop. I will say. It's me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. Forget my neighbors, forget the poor. This man is consumed with self, idolatry, pride, arrogance. Then look at the next thing he says. Eat, drink, enjoy yourself. This man lived to satisfy his sensual appetites. That's all he focused on. His sensual appetites. Lewd and immoral. Matthew 4, 4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But this man was living by bread alone. But I want you to take a, I want you to take a second look at this scripture. How do you think the Lord will have responded to this man if he had given away the excess and then planted again to produce even greater resources to bless more ministries. What about if he said, you know what? We're going to build a new barn. We're going to store our harvest here. And I'll tell you what, we're going to build 10 more churches in downtown Pittsburgh. We're going to feed the poor. We're going to dig some well in Africa. We're going to send some kids in the hood. We're going to send them to colleges and universities. God has blessed me with this wealth. I'm a multi-billionaire. I'm not going to ship this money off to the Swiss accounts and to the islands. We're going to use it to bless this community. This community is coming up. We're going to build a factory. We're going to hire some kids. We're going to get some kind of a mentoring, coaching going on. How will the Lord feel about this man? You see, the Lord is not opposed to you being rich. I want to be very clear about that. God is the one that blessed Solomon 
so wealthy that even the rock, gold was as common as the rocks. The Lord is not opposed to you being a multi-millionaire. But the Lord wants increase, but it's not all for yourself. God wants you to be a conduit of his blessing to others. And not just you and yourself. Let's look at the end of this man. It's very tragic. Because you like this man. It's the kind of a guy you probably get along, make you laugh, crack some funny jokes. Probably go out and have a fish sandwich together. It's one of those guys that is cool to hang with. But there's some serious problem. And look at what God said. God gave his opinion in verse 20. And I wouldn't like God to refer to me like this. Look at what God says. But God said to him, God showed up on the scene and said, you've drawn out your project plan. You've crossed the T's and dotted the I. But I am the man. Now let me give you my opinion. God said to him, you fool. Fool. God called him a fool. You know what fool means? Properly mindless, stupid, ignorant, egotistic, rash, unbelieving, unwise. God said you are a fool. This very night you will die. You see, his wealth never prolongs his life. He said tonight you're going to die. And the things you prepared, whose will they be? Whose will they be? It will go to those that will be kind to the poor. All his wealth, all his granaries, all his storage, all the riches that he has amassed. Because the Bible says, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Psalm 14 verses 1 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And when you look at the narrative of this man, did he mention God anytime? No. It was me, myself, and I. God called him a fool. But what would you have called this man? God said he's a fool. From my experience, you know what we would have called this man? Including me. We would have said, that guy is very successful. He's smart. He's wise. He's rich. Do you see how he builds those companies? He builds that company. He's so wealthy. He's so rich. We will not have talked to the man about his eternity. We will have condescended to him. And the man will have continued in his sin. But God said he's a fool. Be very careful to call someone God calls a fool you be very careful to call them anything else but a fool. Always align with God. Don't say he's smart. Because if you prop him up, you're propping him up for help. Because he's rich, don't be blown away by the riches. You are an ambassador of Christ. You have to speak the truth. If the Lord gives you the call to do that to this man. But what I found is this. Many people do, are fearful of the rich. They are intimidated because they see the wealth and they say, ooh, maybe I could get something from this. I better not say anything. I better not hurt his feeling. But we are his mouthpiece. We are his ambassador. First Timothy 6, 7 said, for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You know what that means? 
Horses. Horses never pull you off. Horses never pull you off. You came to this world as a little baby. When you leave, they will put you in a coffin. And there will be no you all attached to it. But your rewards for eternity depends on your relationship with God and how you have treated the poor. Those will have more impact on the longevity and the quality of your life and your place you will be in the other side when you get there. So if the Lord has blessed you, great. Praise the Lord. Enjoy. Put some away for your children. God is not opposed to that. But also remember the poor. As usual here at Pops, we don't shy away from the difficult topics. We dive in, we challenge ourselves, and look internally to see if we're aligned with the kingdom of heaven. We are called to treat every person the way we want to be treated. We are called to love one another as Jesus loved us. So hopefully today, God stirred something in your heart and you begin to make a change for the better. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. We love y'all.